Are you ready to scale? Why not invest three minutes in our scalability index? It's quick, it's easy, and it's got specific guidance. Find it at evokinggenius.com slash scale. Hello and welcome back to Genius at Scale. Today's guest is Patrick Campbell. Patrick, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit, bit about your yourself. Yeah, uh, where to where to start? You know, in all these years. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so uh, I I my background's in econometrics and math. I uh, grew up in Wisconsin uh, in a town with more cows than people. Uh, then ended up working for the U.S. intelligence community before Google. Uh, and then started up in the, the, the world of tech and startups um, just over 10 years ago and ran a company called ProfitWell, founded and ran that company um, up until May of this year when we sold. Um, we were a bootstrap company focused on the subscription and SaaS space. We had a freemium product that uh, about 36,000 different subscription SaaS companies were using for their finances. And then the way we made money is we had a couple of different products that helped with their pricing and their, their churn and retention. And uh, we sold to a company called Paddle. Um, and Paddle does billing and payments infrastructure. Uh, and so uh, now we're taking over the world, as they say, uh, you know, combining forces and all that jazz. No, it's great. Um, so I'm, I'm going to dive right in. The sale, I mean, obviously it happened, now it's January, so I think it was May of last year, but that, that's good. Um, what does that enable you to do that you couldn't do as ProfitWell? Obviously it was a, it was a good fit and, and you made the sale. Mm. What's now possible combined with uh, the resources of, of Paddle? Yeah, it's a good question. So really it comes down to, there, there's there's a couple of pieces. So one, the, we weren't even looking to sell, but the, the reason we were entertaining it is because we were gonna raise money for the first time. Mm -hmm. So when you're bootstrapping, you, you have a lot of these, I like to call them like $10,000 arguments and some of them were 100,000, some of them were 5,000, but you're, you're having a lot of these arguments and we were getting to the point where those arguments, there were too many of those and it was kind of, um, you know, it was starting to hold us back. So we were going to go raise cash. And then Christian, um, you know, someone I've known for a while, um, you know, I was asking him for advice and, you know, this is where he was like, well, what if, what if we like joined forces? What if, what if you guys bought us essentially? And, um, Long story short, ended up, um, you know, that that was a big thing, you know, coming into a, a venture back company that that had those resources. And then from kind of a product perspective, we we weren't necessarily on like a short to midterm collision course with like billing and payment providers. Um, these were all of our, our partners, like our integration partners. But we were heading into, you know, kind of a well, it makes sense for us to go deeper and deeper into the stack, like the actual tech stack. Um, and eventually we were going to need to get closer and closer to like the actual rail of billing and payments to improve our products further. Uh, so this just unlocks the ability for us to, to go so much deeper on our mission of kind of automating, you know, subscription growth essentially. So yeah, those are, those are kind of the two things. And then I think maybe a third is, is, I, uh, we were heading into, we were past, you know, eight figures in revenue ARR. And it was one of those things where the, the next three years were probably, uh, you know, the, the environment notwithstanding, uh, we're kind of in the, you know, rinse and repeat years of, of kind of growth. And so, uh, we kind of got to skip those years just cause, you know, we're coming into a larger company and, um, you know, we still have to do that growth, but you know, it's a little, little bit more compressed just given the lack of a better phrase synergy between the two companies. So I love the, the thought behind that. 
and now I want to go backwards a little bit because it sounds like you were bumping up against this idea that maybe it's time for us to go raise some money because bootstrapping has taken us as far as it, it can. What do you miss maybe about, about the bootstrap piece? You're taking investors, especially venture-backed investors, the game changes. But what do you, what do you miss yeah. about having stakeholders now that can say, you know, we're not too thrilled with that idea? I don't know if I miss anything in particular because I don't I don't think you know so I am now nine months in six to nine six to nine months in yep I think that the the thing that's a little different is you know there's a lot of things that are different but um, the board dynamic is different so we never had a we had a board but it wasn't really formal um, and now we have a very formal board you know right. and um, I think that that I don't have a good like measure or litmus of what amount of like driving does the board and in, like in, entail so like the board you know obviously you know we have board meetings and every x weeks you know we kind of have to stop and prepare for the board meeting now and we have to do x y or z and you know that governance is super super important like that's something that i we were craving because yeah we were accountable to ourselves but you know, acceleration through people who are kind of looking at a broad view of the market um, is a bit different. But I also don't know, like, is our board uh, too involved? Are they not involved enough? Like, it doesn't feel like bad in any direction. It's just, I, I don't have a really good understanding of that. But I do enjoy having having that. Um, but I don't I don't know how much is, is too much or how much is enough in, in that particular respect. So that's very different. Um, I think the other thing that's really different and it's really hard to parse through is uh, we now have a, a we went from basically a three person exec team to a 10 person exec team. Uh, and that exec team changed uh, the paddle exec team changed, you know, kind of regardless of us coming on board. So it was one of those things where like that whole exec team kind of got not quite blown up, but partially blown up and then added to. And so a lot of trust building. Um, and I don't think we necessarily did this properly in the beginning, but we didn't, none of us knew. Um, but there was a lot of trust building that needed to take place. And so obviously I miss kind of like the ease of speed of like not having to like talk to eight other people, but you know, those are trade-offs, right? Those eight other people also bring a ton of value because we can do bigger and better things as they say. That's interesting. Cause you, with a, with a board or an executive board of three and a long history with them as well, you can predict essentially how conversations and activities will go. And with 10 and it's new, you kind of say, oh, wow, I just married into this family. I had no idea there's a crazy uncle that lives in the attic and I got to, I got to account for him. I, I, yeah, I can't dismiss him because he's part of this. Yeah, that is, that is, uh, so you did the, so Paddle did a rework or a remodeling of their board at the same time you came on, you guys did that all at one time. So if I have this right, then you had a three person executive team at profit well and you kind of knew the scouting report on everybody because you guys had worked so and the trust is implicit and then you mm -hmm. go to a 10-person team where half of them have been reworked or remodeled and you enter at that point it it sounds like it sounds like marrying into like a crazy family or was it not yeah. like that <laughs> no it definitely is and, and the board and the exec team were were kind of redone you know with the the acquisition and the integration so yeah, I mean it's it's super tough. I think that there's there's a lot, uh, that, and I think that we the collective we because um, you know this is how we acted was like 
oh, this will this will be easy. Like the visions make so much right. sense. You know, we we didn't have that role. You guys had that role. We didn't, and vice versa. Therefore, like everyone will just you know get along. Yeah. It wasn't that like yeah. anyone. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that anyone like didn't get along. It was more that it just everything took like there was a tax on everything. Like just in terms of time. Like because it was right. well, do we do this way or this way or maybe we should come up with a new way or, you know, all these other things. And then there's just a bunch of trust, like, you know, people not trusting each other, not in a like, you know, deep existential way, but just in terms of like, you know, like, like it's all these little conversations, you know, weren't going to go as quickly as, as they might've, you know, previously. But again, that's, that's the trade-off of, you know, coming together to do something bigger. No, it's, it's great. How much of the, um, they're just missing trust. And it, it's not that it was, it went missing. It was just, you, you never had it. How much was it because you now had to be, I'll call, call it appropriate or polite with functional roles and say, well, I, here's what I would do, but I'm not in charge of that anymore. So we need to rope in this person and you can't step on toes. You can't just make decisions like you might've been able to do with three people. How much it was is yeah. it, is that kind of trust building? It's hard to say because I think that you have you had so many dynamics, right? So we're we're in a we're an American and Argentinian company. They're a British company, so there's like a there's just like a you know cultural dynamic to that. Yeah. There's a, we're bootstrapped. They were heavily venture backed dynamic. Um, there's a you know we were very product focused because we had a strong product leader. They're not that they weren't product focused. It's just they didn't have a strong product leader like or an independent product leader, right? So it it was less of a politeness thing, and it was more of a like who is doing what kind of thing? Like who's actually going to be doing what? Yep. Like that was a really big thing where- Like a, fun, um, like some, like a functionality. Thing. A bunch of roles, not only were a bunch of roles like not defined, but like also, and, and this is all just, you know, because of all the change, right? Um, but also there were a bunch of things that it was like, well, you know, we do have definition here, but it's just not specific enough, right? And and that's a big thing that that I encourage, you know, and there's a really good like book chapter one day on this of like, you know, what to do with integrations. There's probably a whole book, but it's it's you know, it, it's one of those things where where I've seen them be very successful was almost like they don't, you know, actually integrate for like a year. Like they just allow a lot of the systems to come together really slowly. Um, normally those are like bigger, like Salesforce acquiring a customer or a company. But I think for us, it was, it's hard to say like what to do over again, but I think the, what to do over again is we would have focused squarely on the trust part and the communication part, and then, you know, defining of roles and those types of things, rather than we, we kind of did what, you know, you know, we naturally wanted to do, which was like, all right, let's just get going. Let's just go start doing things, right. you know, let's, right. let's get let's to work get from there, yeah. that type of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I mean, you can't fault us for, but it's also we were, no. you know, it's first time we were all going through this. So it was, it was one of those things where we're like, oh, interesting. Okay. You know, we need to adjust this way or that way. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And so uh, have you now, has the pendulum swung a little bit where you're doing proactive trust building or I mean, like the classic HR or go off site or that kind of stuff? Or is it more you're building trust by keeping promises and delivering on time and being accountable where people go, I can trust Patrick because when, when he says he'll do something, he actually gets it done. Or I can't trust the next guy because he, he kind of gives me a bad excuse at the end. Because every organization has a level of that. But did do you have to yeah. get that granular at this point? I think it's more, so So first we, we did bring like a facilitator kind of in 
that was super helpful, I think, because it accelerated things. Because, you know, nine women can't make a baby in, in a month, right? So there is some of this stuff that's just a function of time. I think we were kind of doing it in a very, uh, not like a guess and check way, but in a very like incremental way. And that worked really well in, in a lot of areas, right? And I think then it was like, do we want to continue to do this or do we want to bring in a facilitator to really like help? And it wasn't, there's no like giant existential thing, right? It's just right. more of like us getting a common language, like, you know, certain groups have a common language, certain groups not, and us just getting to know each other more and more, especially because we're remote as well, right? So I think that helped a lot when we brought brought that person in. But yeah, there, there's no, like, I want to be super clear. Like, it, it's not like there was like all this tension or there's like fighting. Right. There's nothing like that. It's more of just like, you, you sometimes felt like you were, you were, you were walking, you know, through, like you're walking in a pool, right. Where there's just like this extra drag on you. And it wasn't because of like anyone being a jerk. Right. It wasn't because of anyone. It just literally was because it was like, well, you know, who's going to take this on? And, you know, is this the way we should do it? Or this is the way we should do it. And like things like that, which are just very, very different. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where the toughness kind of came from. But yeah, I think it's, I think anyone going through it, if you're listening to this, like it probably is going to take a year and you should be a lot more proactive than you think, um, you know, about this, even if it's like, you know, we were, we were about a hundred people paddle was about, you know, 200 people. So, you know, two relatively large organizations of, of or similar size, but if even if you're like a large organization acquiring a small organization or you're you know you know two really large organizations like being a little bit more proactive than uh, than you think is probably super helpful yeah no it, it makes sense and, and uh, I'm curious how how much has it how much have decision making or processes or progress sped up in the nine months I mean at the, like you said at yeah. the beginning it was like whoa all of a sudden it's slowing down. Has it started to speed up? I think there was, the way I would describe it is, so, so the short answer is, yeah, of course. I think it was kind of like one step forward, three steps back at first. And then like that quickly changed to like two steps forward, one step back. And then it was kind of like one step forward, one step back with certain things, you know, to kind of continue the metaphor. And now we're at like, I don't know, this, this scale is breaking down really quickly, but maybe we're at like, five steps forward one step back right yeah which is um, which is not too bad yeah yeah which is not too and like maybe max is seven to one right you know and that that comes with time you know and stuff like that so yeah i don't know i i think it's uh yeah it's definitely it's definitely getting better but i i think it's the thing that i would kind of kind of you know reiterate is like you think it's gonna be all the things that all the things that we thought we would have trouble with we had none of we had no trouble with at all all the things that we ended up having trouble with like the things that like added time or the things that added like you know uh, basically cycles to things you know we're, we're all these trust things and at the end of the day it makes sense because we're all people and it's it's you know figuring out how to uh you know how to work with each other and figuring out how to work together efficiently which is which is really what you're going for hmm. that's interesting so i'm curious the the um you're merging two companies uh, with very different um, strategies in terms of how they grew. You you bootstrapped it over how many years did it take to get to where you were? Nine total. 
Nine. Okay. And then Paddle was venture backed. How long did it take them to, to build to where they were? Exact same timeline. Nine years. So it's, almost it's, to the day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's almost exact same time frame, very different structures. Um, yeah. I'm curious now you've got more possibility. There's more resource, more possibility, more promise. Um does did is does that create an inflection point of its own, the merger? Or because so many mergers you see a year mm. later, people say, boy, one plus one is one and a half. Um, yeah. And eventually it might get going, but the idea is one plus one equals three or four. Yeah. Uh, what's your experience been with that? It's really hard to say, right? Because normally you can't really, yeah, you can't really say those things probably for like years, right? You know, and yeah. then you're like, well, we didn't know at the time, but this, I actually think what's really interesting about this is that the, the, the product visions, when, when you see a lot of these acquisitions or integrations, oftentimes what happens is there have to be a lot of leaps to get to the one plus one equals three or four narrative. For us, it was like very not like, because it's like, we're building these things that literally integrate with products like yours. We see the world in the exact same way when it comes to how to build product, what the future of the market is, et cetera. So it's one of those things that it almost future proofs that problem where, you know, from a product perspective and from kind of a building perspective, we don't necessarily have to worry about, well, like if this doesn't work out, we have to figure out how to like add these two things together and figure this thing out. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it, it was one of the most complementary, you know, two products coming together that, 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 you know, we've seen, you know, in the market. Um, it wasn't like a Salesforce and Slack situation where it's like, yeah, it's all work, you know, so we'll, you know, we'll bring Slack on board. It was like, yeah. it was as if like, I don't know, I can't, I can't find a better metaphor. It's, it's as if a like subscription management and billing company bought analytics and churn. Right. Like it, it is exactly, which is exactly right. what it was. Yeah. And that's more traditional. I have several companies this year or uh, one last year, but several this year, they're going to, they're going to acquire somebody because they, it's a tangential product. Yeah. And they're, it's, you know, the idea is they'll cross sell each, the two companies will both cross sell each other's product and all that stuff. And those are, those are tricky because you say, wait, well, minute, I, think, I, I think that's the problem, right? Because for this, what ends up happening when you have those products that are tangential is that if, if the partnership, unless you're doing like a formal roll-up strategy, which is a very different kind of like tactic, but for a lot of these products that end up being tangential, it's kind of like, well, if we're not partnering now, like why isn't it working, right? Or, you know, you end up kind of competing with one, one another at some point, you know, depending on if that collision course exists. For us, it was kind of like, yeah, we could get into each other's spaces, but it just, it was going to be a long slog and expensive. And we get the questions for their products, they get the questions right. for our type products. So that's where right. like, you know, again, very overused word, but like synergy makes so much sense. And I don't know, the, the joke I say is like, this is, you know, this was the best first deal to go through because it was two parties that were very earnest and coming together. It was two products that like very much make sense, uh, like all that kind of stuff so that, you know, in the future, if I'm doing other deals, they'll probably be harder, uh, you know, but this was the, the best first one to, to kind of go funny. through. It's funny. Well, it's, it's the way you, the, the way the products aligned is, is, um, it's not counterintuitive. It's just fairly rare. 
Uh, sometimes that yeah, happens. you don't see it as much. Yeah, yeah. We, they, they, I, I'd reference. You see it on a smaller scale, I think. Like sometimes when you see like smaller roll-up strategies, you'll see like you know because it's 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 easier, right? Like because it did take, you know, like we we had a really good downside, right? Like we could just keep building a great profitable business and, you know, go raise money or, you know, build the company for profit kind of a thing. So that was one of those things that, you know, was, um, you know, was, was coming together had to be a very conscious choice. That, that was the thing that like, I think really made it work as well. Yeah. How much did it help the process that you were already considering raising money anyhow? So merging with a venture back company wasn't wasn't going to shake you to the core because you say no 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 we don't we don't do we don't do debt yeah. fine. we're a boots we're bootstrappers because i know you were pretty ardent about bootstrapping for a while um because uh, why, why do it if you don't because you don't need it you don't why do it i i don't think i i don't think i would well so it depends on ardent and how you define that or that type of thing <laughs> Maybe i that's think too that a word yeah, because yeah, I think that I think that like there, the, the reason I'm kind of reacting this way is that there are people who are religious about it. There are people who are yeah. like, yeah. you know, violently are religious terrible, yeah. you know, yeah. and then there's people on the other side, like bootstrapping is an excuse for not being able to raise money, et cetera. Right. We were very much in line with wanting to build a very large company. And we were very much in line with trying to figure out the best way up that mountain to the point yeah. That I think it was a major mistake that we had waited so long to raise money. I think we sh we should have raised money earlier in our journey. And I think the ideal thing to do is, you know, bootstrap until or as close to product market fit as you can. Some products you just can't do that with, or right. some life circumstances you just can't do that with. Um, and then, you know, raise money when you're really trying to scale. And I think, excuse me, I think for us, one of the hardest things to kind of think through was. Um, I would say to answer your question, actually, it did help a lot because when we were thinking of raising money, we were then looking at the situation and going, oh, well, there's some ego reacting to potentially selling our baby, you know, right? But this is just another way to get more resources, right? So all of a sudden it turned into this very, okay, well, this makes total sense to do X, Y, or Z or move in this, you know, particular direction to kind of, you know, keep things, keep things moving forward. I love the idea that it was just simply a, uh, a an exercise in how, what's the most effective or efficient way to get up the yeah. mountain. <laughs> you say, totally, well, totally. we could helicopter in, but that's pretty expensive. We could hike up, but boy, it's going to take us a while and it's chilly up there. Uh, yeah, we could, we could get Sherpas and we could get donkeys. And you guys looked at all of them and said, yeah. Okay. This is this is a good way to go. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's funny. So, uh, curious about. Um, I've asked you this question before. And we've had other conversations, but I'm curious about the the risk tolerance associated, perhaps with bootstrapping, but I don't think it's really that. But how did the how did the risk tolerances of two different leaders or two different CEOs come together? Because you got redundancy at that point too. Did, did you guys say we have now one CEO in the merged company, or how did you how did you figure all that out? Yeah, so it was um, that was pretty easy actually. Uh, so it was you know we were we were getting acquired. So yep, um, you know Christian Christian's a CEO, and so that was it was kind of funny because people people that I've spoken with since or during there's a lot of like 
and I don't know if I'm just wired differently or not, but like, there's a lot of concern about my ego with some of the stuff, which is really interesting. They're like, Oh, is it going to be okay? Like, or like we had a conversation before um, we were heading into kind of the closing stages of diligence about what name was going to be the ultimate branding name. And they thought it was going to take like three hours. And I was like, no paddle makes the most sense. Like if we were thinking from first principles about an IPO able name, it's not profit. Well, like that doesn't, that doesn't like make as much sense. Now, there might be reasons to do X, Y, but it was like, it was like a five minute conversation. Like, right. and so I think that in this case, it's, it's, you know, I have ego about certain things, you know, in life, obviously, but like there, there, it wasn't like a, a low or it wasn't like a high ego, you know, discussion or situation. I do think that like, yeah, it's like super practical. I do think like, I, I don't know if it was a mistake or not, but like, we didn't really define my role that well, because we were defining kind of everyone else's role. And then obviously trying to get a deal done and money needed to be raised to like do the deal as well. So it was one of those things that that, that turned into, you know, some difficulty when it came to like figuring a bunch of stuff out. Um, and over the past like nine months, it's that, you know, that's been, that's been hard because it's like, well, am I doing this? Am I doing that? Are we not doing this thing? What is, you know, what is the path and, you know, kind of going from there. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's, uh, I think when you're going through this, um, it's really important to understand what's important to you. Like if that was really important to me, like we wouldn't have sold, like we, you know, that, that right. wouldn't have been the case. Cause that wouldn't really have worked unless there was like some special circumstance, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's the basic idea. So your role is no longer Supreme commander of the universe. That's it. You lost that title, that role. Yeah. That yeah I lost that title. Yeah. No, I no, it is not. My role is uh, I'm chief strategy officer and, and a member of the board. And uh, it seems I, like a little bit of a letdown. Seems like a little bit of a letdown from Supreme Commander. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's maybe less uh, work. I think though. It's... Probably less work. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely definitely something. But um, how yeah. long did it take to kind of land on on your role? You said you you didn't really have it well defined when you, when the merger came. Was it a title or um, was it really a role that you had to get figured out? Oh, it's not not the title. The title was kind of locked in right from the beginning. Um, the actual, like, what the role, chief strategy officer, there's a lot of different variations of that role in, yeah. in different, you know, companies. Um, sometimes it's real, sometimes it's not. Um, I intended or wanted, wanted it to be real or wanted it to be real. So um, I, to be very frank, like, it was just really defined probably in December, um, you know, with kind of going through the tail end of budgets, November and December. I, and it's, it's more of, there have just been a bunch of iterations as like the comp, like we've done so much change in the past year, like as a combined entity here, like we went straight from, um, you know, like closing the deal to replanning. Cause now we, now we have this combined, you know, it's always up until close. Like well, if it goes through, we should do this. If it doesn't, we should do this, right? And that's, you know, obviously super tough. And then all of a sudden going into like 2023 planning and obviously the market's different. So thinking, you know, even if we were gonna still go in the same direction, it was like, we should at least think about that direction a little bit differently. So yeah, just just lots of lots of shifting and all kinds of fun stuff. How much, how much did things like objectives or OKRs or that change during that, during that six, it sounds like it was about a six month process, or was it just kind of figuring out what you're really responsible for? The title is easy, but really what is, yeah. what falls under oh, it? For and... me, for me personally, um, I was working on, 
like I was still doing a bunch of stuff. Like I was, you know, there's a lot of going on. Um, but formally figuring out a lot of that stuff, um, you know, now it's just within, within the remit of the role, if that makes sense as a company. Um, that was one of the first things that I took on was like just our planning cycle and, you know, getting the company's equivalent of OKRs like set, um, in, in doing that and making sure there's a bunch of accountability to them and stuff like that was, was huge. And then, um, yeah, I think that's, that's one of those things that like, we were hitting that right stride of trying to do that company wide. And so, you know, taking that on, you know, was, was a nice, nice bit of a project. Yeah. That's, um, I'm curious what you optimize for, like as a company and maybe as a chief strategy officer. As a company, um, you know, it's, it's growth at the end of the day. Right. You know, so I, optimizing. It's, it's for funny. I, I, there's people answer that in all kinds of ways. And sometimes I'm really surprised. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, that's, that's what it is. Right. And growth comes from, you know, and yeah, there's some sub numbers. Sometimes you're optimizing for like top line versus EBITDA, et cetera. But like at the end of the day, it's growth, um, you know, not growth at all costs necessarily depending on, but even then sometimes, you know, depending on the cycle, um, for me personally, um, right now it's a little scattered, um, meaning like, it's not like one thing. Um, like part of my role is taking on, um, the pricing strategy at paddle. So that's a very revenue per customer type number. Um, other parts of the role, um, you know, involve kind of content and branding. So that's a very, you know, kind of externally facing number. So yeah, just, just lots of, lots of things, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But more metrics based and things you can, you can actually pull up on a dashboard. Yeah. Hopefully. I figured, yeah, yeah. Given, given your background, I figured it's going to have to have some metrics to it. But it's, you'd be surprised the answers we get when I ask that question. People say, well, I'm, yeah, we're optimizing for uh, employee experience. And I'm like, wow, how do you track that? I mean, because yeah. it's, it's all psychological. I'm thinking, oh, oh okay. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, for me, it's an unusual one to, to optimize for, but there's companies that are doing that. And maybe that's just in response to the pandemic or work from home or yeah. uh, the new realities of work or whatever it is. Um, but very diff I, I would imagine a very difficult one to optimize for. Because if you don't yeah. succeed, people just say, I think I'm gonna find a better employee experience by floating my resume. And you go, good luck. Don't let, my thinking think, is don't, don't yeah. let the door hit you on the way out because it's eventually there's no way to optimize for everybody's employee experience. But I think the issue, it's interesting you say that. I think the issue is more around I, I question the alignment of that person a ton because like, yeah. I understand like employee experience or like team or product or customer experience, et cetera. But like, th th there's one thing it all boils down to just as a, as an entity, like as an entity, like, and we can get into should capitalism exist, et cetera. But as an entity, as a company, like ultimately is it's growth and you know, that growth is, you know, a measure of your revenue essentially. So. No, and it makes intuitive sense. And my thinking has always been if, if the company has a compelling vision, like a compelling commercial vision, if you're not interested in that vision, don't work there. And if you are, then the employee experience should be reasonably good. Cause you say, wow, I, I'd love to help uh, a team yeah. or a company do this, or that sounds like uh, nails on a chalkboard. I'm not interested. Oh, that's fine. As a, but yeah, 
theirs is more like when people show up, we're going to make sure that they're entertained. And it's like, wow, that's yeah. a hard one. It's a really hard one because that can change on any day. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a fun question we ask all our CEOs. And given your background, small town, Wisconsin, uh, I mean, were you a farm kid or no? Uh, not not as directly. Uh, but you yeah. were, yeah, you were more rural. Close enough. Um, yeah, if, yeah. if we went to your junior high uh, school, seventh, eighth grade, you know, everybody's clunky in seventh and eighth grade. Yeah. Would there have been enough there if we followed you around with a National Geographic film crew to then go place a futures bet on you at 30 and say, this is a guy to bank on. He's going to go someplace, you know, start a company or, or uh, uh, he's, he's one you should bank on. What's who were you in seventh grade that that uh, would have yeah. um, given us a scouting report that we could that we could bank on? Yeah, so seventh grade, I tra- I transferred from a parochial school from preschool to sixth grade to the public middle school, um, mainly because like in a parochial school, like a lot of your grades are in the same room, uh, so like we had third through fifth grade. Uh, and so when I was in third grade, it was, it was, it was cool because I was listening to like the fourth and fifth grade lessons a lot and I was able to learn a lot. But when I was in fifth grade, it was like, you know, teaching the third graders four through six. And it was like, yeah, I just wasn't, you know, and I wasn't causing trouble. I was just bored, just bored bored out of your mind. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so going to, going to public school was, was, you know, at least relative to the parochial school was, was, was a good move. I think, yeah, I think so. Like I, I was involved in you know, a bunch of things, you know, sports, you know, after school activities, all kinds of stuff. And so, yeah, I think like, I, I don't know, it's, it's like, I was a really good, I was a good student. Um, but I didn't really like take school seriously until college. Um, so did really well in like standardized tests and stuff like that. And like had decent PPA without trying a lot. And then I like really put the effort in in college, which I don't know if I would have do that over again, just given, you know, what I really like got out of college, if that makes sense. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, National Geographic film crew and, you know, would, would you be able to put a futures bet? I think, I think there's, there's, you know, a good chance just given a background and coming from a blue collar family that I just become like a, a doctor, which is not a bad thing, but like, no. you know, it's not, it's not a, uh, it's not something I would bet on if that makes sense. So but, yeah, I don't know. Not really a great answer to your question. Yeah. But, you were, uh, you were not a, uh, as, as people have affectionately called me, as, you weren't a shit disturber or anything like that, or you weren't, you weren't making waves or. Uh, no, I wasn't like, I wasn't, you know, I had like some bad kid friends, but no, like I wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, I was, I was definitely like a little bit of a teacher's pet, definitely a little bit of like a, you know, good kid ran for like, you know, I was class vice president, like stuff like that. So, yeah. um, uh, yeah, no, no crazy things. No, it's a, it's, it's, but that's bankable. You could say, okay. Yeah. He's uh, yeah, he's yeah. a doer. Yeah. He's a leader. He's a doer. Uh, that's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, we get we get some interesting answers to that as well. So, well, Patrick, thank you so much for your uh, your insight, your stories. Um, the whole the whole audience experience is designed to say, "Wow, what what are these scaling journeys?" And uh, your your journey is quite a fascinating one, especially going from uh, building a successful bootstrap and then flipping to a, a venture back. That's uh, that's uh, re- really kind of a fun way to play. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for being awesome. here today. 
for our listeners, we look forward to seeing you again on the next episode of Genius at Scale. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us today. Are you ready to scale? If so, invest three minutes in our scalability index. It's simple, easy, and gives specific guidance. Find it at evokinggenius.com slash scale. All the best.